Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 2 Kings chapter 3 from the World English Bible. Now Jehoram the son of Ahab began to reign over Israel in Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat king of Judah, and reigned 12 years. He did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight, but not like his father and like his mother, for he put away the pillar of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he held to the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, with which he made Israel to sin. He didn't depart from them. Now Misha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he supplied the king of Israel with the wool of 100,000 lambs and of 100,000 rams. But when Ahab was dead, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. King Jehoram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. He went and sent to Jehoshaphat the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me against Moab to battle? He said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. He said, Which way shall we go up? He answered, The way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched for seven days along a circuitous route. There was no water for the army or for the animals that followed them. The king of Israel said, Alas, for Yahweh has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Isn't there a prophet of Yahweh here that we may inquire of Yahweh by him? One of the king of Israel's servants answered, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who poured water on the hands of Elijah, is here. Jehoshaphat said, Yahweh's word is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. The king of Israel said to him, No, for Yahweh has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Elisha said, As Yahweh of armies lives, before whom I stand, surely, were it not that I respect the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward you nor see you. But now bring me a musician. When the musician played, Yahweh's hand came on him. He said, Yahweh says, Make this valley full of trenches. For Yahweh says, You will not see wind, neither will you see rain. Yet that valley will be filled with water, and you will drink, both you and your livestock and your other animals. This is an easy thing in Yahweh's sight. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. You shall strike every fortified city and every choice city, and shall fell every good tree, and stop all springs of water, and mar every good piece of land with stones. In the morning, about the time of offering the sacrifice, 
behold, water came by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. Now when all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, they gathered themselves together, all who were able to put on armor, young and old, and stood on the border. They rose up early in the morning, and the sun shone on the water, and the Moabites saw the water opposite them as red as blood. They said, This is blood. The kings are surely destroyed, and they have struck each other. Now therefore, Moab, to the plunder. When they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and struck the Moabites, so that they fled before them, and they went forward into the land, attacking the Moabites. They beat down the cities, and on every good piece of land each man cast his stone and filled it. They also stopped all the springs of water and cut down all the good trees, until in Kir Hareseth all they left was its stones. However, the men armed with slings went around it and attacked it. When the king of Moab saw that the battle was too severe for him, he took with him seven hundred men who drew a sword to break through to the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his oldest son, who would have reigned in his place, and offered him for a burnt offering on the wall. There was great wrath against Israel, and they departed from him and returned to their own land. That is the end of chapter 3. Here we get right back to Ahab's next son to be on the throne after his older brother's early death. This Jehoram is noted as not being as evil as his father and mother. This makes two points. Some evil is recognized as worse by Yahweh in degree, but still all sin, any sin, separates us from the holy God. And the second point is, again, Jezebel has the unusual notoriety of being mentioned as a source of evil. Usually it's just the kings mentioned. She is still alive here. She won't be killed until chapter 9. This Misha, king of Moab, is apparently very wealthy as a sheep breeder if his tax slash tribute is so much wool of lambs and rams. But the king of Moab doesn't want to pay it anymore. so. He rebels, and King Jehoram thinks it's best to reinforce his authority over the region. However, the battle will destroy much of Moab, and so his future tribute seems likely to be greatly diminished at the very least. But we'll see in the end that he kind of gives up in the last part of the battle for no apparent reason. Jehoshaphat is again very willing to be an ally, and it's a good thing for Jehoram that he did. On a side note, verse 8 is confusing with all its he said and he answered, but I think that since verse 9 words it as the king of Israel went with, it is telling us that it was Jehoshaphat's advice to go by the way of Edom and then the king of Israel went with him. It's curious that in verse 10, Jehoram claims it is Yahweh planning their defeat, maybe because his father, King Ahab, received so much trouble according to King Ahab's perspective, from Yahweh. Whatever the exact mix of things that is influencing him, Jehoram seems to have some remnant of understanding the superiority of Yahweh. Again, Jehoshaphat asks for a prophet of Yahweh. It's like he thinks a king of Israel should just have one on hand. Jehoshaphat was faithful to Yahweh, so this is also a natural response of his to difficulty, to ask the creator of the universe for help or direction. 
And again, we see that Elisha is already well known as Elijah's successor. He was Elijah's humble servant. He poured water on his hands, but now he is a major prophet in reputation. Elisha begins by calling out Jehoram's inconsistent and incompatible worship of gods. A person cannot worship Yahweh and anyone or anything else. If you recognize who Yahweh is and follow him, that doesn't leave room for any other pagan or false gods. In doing this, Elisha also calls attention to the lack of the power of Jehoram's false gods. And this theme will be horrifically played out in the end by the king of Moab at the end of the battle. To counter Elisha's dismissal, King Jehoram brings the other two kings more into the discussion. And this is where he has his association with Jehoshaphat pay off. Verse 15 doesn't say why, in this case, Elisha requires a musician to play, but somehow it is tied to the hand of Yahweh coming on him. Maybe it's like Jesus doing miracles, where he rarely did miracles the same way twice, possibly to avoid people thinking there was a formula, but also because of people's faith before the miracle and how their faith was acted out in different ways. It may just be that Elisha wanted the musician. Then I also read this part of the account about the hand of God in several translations, and most of them do say something about the hand of God coming upon Elisha, including Young's literal translation. The New English Translation Bible, however, uses the word energized, and while Elisha is obviously energized in a way, I think to say the hand of Yahweh gives a much better idea of him being influenced or directed by God, but this is not at all without Elisha's complete consent. The instructions that Elisha passes on are like so many, do this thing and Yahweh will act or bless or guide or save, step into the water, walk around the city, or here, dig the trenches. And what seems impossible for you will be easy for Yahweh. The ditches catch the water like faith catches the salvation and life that God offers. Yet that which was a life-saving blessing for the grouping of Israel, Judah, and Edom brought destruction for Moab. It's like the metaphor of Jesus being a rock, a firm foundation, a fortress of safety for those who believe, but a crushing mountain, a stone to cause the downfall of those who don't believe. Water came for refreshment for the camp of Israel. The enemy attacked without proper understanding and suffered greatly. The three kings not only subdued Moab in battle, but ruined their land. And this is very much in line with God's judgments for evil nations. And unfortunately, in time, this will also come about for the kingdoms of Israel and Judah, and even Edom. In the last desperate attempt, in verse 27, the king of Moab, in order to make some headway against the army that Yahweh is helping, he makes the grotesque decision to offer his oldest son as a burnt sacrifice. The fact that his son is right there to offer indicates that he is of an age to do battle, and fully aware of what is going to happen to him. It only makes sense that this offering of the human sacrifice was to the Moabites' god, Chemosh, as is referenced in Numbers 
9 and 1 Kings 11.7, among other places, and particularly in Jeremiah 48.7, where God makes fun of Chemosh being taken into captivity. Then it says that there was great wrath against Israel, and in spite of the overall conquest of Moab, the army, the allies of Israel, decide to back off at this point. They had accomplished what Yahweh said they would, but they seem to be lacking here in their follow-through. This is rather like King Ahab being given the victory over Ben-Hadad and then turning him into an ally. And it also reminds me of King David asking so many times during battle before and after what to do next. It really seems like that's what they should have done here, rather than just be dissuaded because Moab seemed a little bit more angry. And this gives the unfortunate impression to the Moabites that their sacrifice worked. And this is indicated on what is called the Stone of Moab that's talked about in the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. I'll put a link to that. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 